I just had a friend tell me, hey, you got to do an episode on how you take people from pain to pleasure. I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, well, there's this guy who started a fitness program. He used to be a personal trainer. And he was like, well, how is he going to distinguish himself from all the other thousands and thousands of personal trainers that are out there? Because people look at personal trainers and say, yeah, you know, of course you're in great shape. You've always been in great shape. You have the genetics to be in great shape. You don't understand me where I'm starting, where I'm like really out of shape. So what this person did was he went ahead and he, I think he gained like 70 pounds. And then he turned around and lost the 70 pounds. And so the reason why he did this is he wanted to know what it was like for his clients. What's it like for his clients that have extra weight or no motivation and they're starting from scratch? And so he thought, if I do this, then my clients are going to know that I know your pain. I know where you've been and I've been able to overcome it and I'm going to do the process along with you. So he became super famous. He got on Jay Leno, told his story. I think he also had like a reality TV show for like two seasons. But the point of that whole story was people resonated with him and they felt they could relate to him because he was able to come down to where they were, empathize and feel their pain, and then get back on top and get in shape. I feel like same way that if I'm going to look for a personal trainer, I'd probably want a personal trainer that looks like or has the body that I want for myself, right? There's different ways to get in shape. Some people are into the bodybuilding. They want to get the big muscles. Some people just want to be lean and look cut. So they're more into like CrossFit. So there's different things. But I want to go to a personal trainer that number one, looks the way that I want to look. And number two, hopefully that personal trainer is going to have the same challenges that I have. So like when one of the things that I've always struggled with is just keeping body weight on. It's like I have those one of those metabolisms where if I don't work out, I lose weight. If I'm not eating a ton of food, I lose weight. And a lot of people are like, oh, wow, what a great problem to have. But it's kind of like if I'm skinny, I'd like to put on like 50 pounds. It's like I want to be big. And it's like people that have you know, straight hair, they want curly hair. And people, you know, just the opposite. People have curly hair, they want straight hair. It's like you always want what, what you don't have. But if I could find a personal trainer that struggled, you know, with putting on weight and struggled with putting on muscle and they developed some muscular body, if that's what it is that I wanted, it's like that's the person that, that I would want to go to. So, you know, circling back is for the friend of mine says, well, you have to show people, you know, what's your formula? How do you take people from pain to pleasure? Well, there's a, there's a process that I'm going to share. I'm going to be creating a course to teach you all of my study techniques and, you know, blah, 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 what you need to be successful in school and in life. But I think for me, the way that I can connect with people is kind of like the, the guy, whereas he was already fit. And he had to make himself, you know, not in shape. Like for me, I'm not this this student that was smart or was already getting A's in school. I started at the bottom. I started in the third grade where I got in trouble for copying the girl next to me because I couldn't see the board and I'm writing her name on my paper, 
Her name was Tanya Sperling. I thought Sperling was spelling. I don't know what I was doing. I just copied everything she did because she taught me how to handwrite. In the fifth grade, I didn't know the entire alphabet. In the middle, I just it was like a song, so I just made up the word M-N-L-O-P or whatever. I was like, well, what exactly are they saying? I never knew until the fifth grade. In middle school, you know, not a good student. But because I knew that I wanted to be a lawyer, because somebody put that in my mind, some stranger, that I had to get straight A's, then when high school came, I went all out and I overstudied, overworked, studying you know, 10 hours a day on the weekdays, 14 hours a day on the weekend, but it came at a big price. And the price was I missed out on high school. I missed out on the social life. And, and it wasn't until I hit you know, my 20s that I was finally able to start experiencing life and having a good time and going from an introvert to a little bit more so- socially extroverted. And so I get it. I know what it's like when everybody's raising their hand because they want to tell the teacher what the answer is. I know what it feels like to not be able to participate because I don't know what the teacher's talking about. I know what it's like to get a test score back and I just want to turn my paper upside down as quickly as I can because I'm embarrassed of my grade and I don't want anybody to see it. I know what it's like when we're doing a reading. We'd have teachers that would give us 15 minutes to read and everybody's reading, and it's like I'm on the first page, and I could just tell from the girl sitting behind me, she's like five, six pages ahead of me. And I'm like, how is she reading so fast? Why is everybody understanding this? So I, I know what it's like to not be a good student. And once I became a good student, I never lost touch of, of those roots. I, like I said, I never really identified with the smart kids, and I felt like I could relate to the kids that didn't understand. And And I think that's why I've always liked to help people. I feel like I can't keep a secret to myself. If I know how to do something, I want to help other people. I want to share with them. I just, I can't help it. It's almost almost to a fault because I guess I always wanted that person to come rescue me and, and, and it didn't happen. So when people aren't understanding something, I feel like I have a lot of patience. I think I have a lot of sympathy. Uh, to start from ground zero and to know that there's no such thing as a dumb question. As a lawyer, for example, I'm dealing with other lawyers, some of my employees that are attorneys, and they've gone to you know top schools and have a really good education, and they read faster than I do. And But what I've noticed is even though I'm reading slower, my comprehension is is higher. We'll be looking at the same screen we're reading, and they're so much further ahead of me and then we start having the discussion, and I'm like, did you just not read, not understand what we just read? And it's like I'm constantly having to correct them, like, oh, I didn't see that, or I didn't get it, or I didn't quite understand. It's because they're reading too fast. And like for me, it's what's more important is to understand. So I don't mind going slow. I have to go slow. And when I see other people going fast, I just know they're going to miss something. It's not about how fast you go. It's about how much you understand. When I, being a lawyer, it's a, it's a huge competition. I'm in litigation. So there's a winner and there's a loser. And I've going, been going up against lawyers my entire career. And when I started out, everybody was more experienced than, than I was. But my com- competitive advantage back then is the same competitive advantage that I have now. And that is, it's I try to outthink them. I try to do better work by looking for the nuances or the small details 
that I know that my opponent is going to read too fast or go too fast on and, and not get all those little loopholes. But I take my time and I analyze and I'm methodical about things. And so I think it's really maybe like a really deep thinker as opposed to lawyers that are really quick thinkers. And I didn't develop that skill until the ninth grade when I sat down and tried to learn how to how to learn, how to really teach myself how to learn. And in the 11th grade, I got some study skills. So I think my advantage, my, my original weakness, which was not understanding things and going slow, is really my advantage and strength today because I take the time to understand things. And I don't care how long it takes me because I know there's there's a big advantage there. I've explained to you in this episode why I'm doing this. I'm doing this because I was a student that was left behind. I had to rescue myself and I had to figure out things overnight to become like an overnight quote student success. I say I put that in quotes because I I worked too hard and, and I shouldn't have had to do that. So that was my why, right? That's why I'm doing this. What I would love for you to do is to go watch a documentary about Tom Brady. It's called The Brady Six. The reason why that is so important is, first of all, I'm a huge fan of Tom Brady. I wasn't always a fan because he beat my favorite team, the Rams, in the early 2000s, like 2000, 2001. So I couldn't stand Tom Brady, but became a huge fan when I saw the ESPN documentary called The Brady Six. And so real quick about what the Brady Six is about is it's a story of an underdog. Tom Brady was drafted in the sixth round. You don't understand what that means. That's like really, really bad. I think the six, maybe there's a seventh round, but the sixth, I think the sixth round is the last one. But he was picked 199. Basically, everybody was chosen ahead of Tom Brady. And as uh, Coach Belichick explains, you know, we picked Tom Brady, I think it's a four stringer. And the only reason why they picked him wasn't really that they wanted him. They just didn't want somebody else to to take him. And so what happened to Tom Brady being picked practically last is he had a huge chip on his shoulder. And if you watch the documentary, there's an amazing, amazing part. My favorite part is he's talking about how he's sitting in the living room and all these other players are picked and he's not getting picked and he doesn't even think he's going to make it. And how he just has to get out of the house and go for a walk. And he's like, you know, I remember I, I, I got walked through a house and my parents came with me. And then right there, he gets choked up, right? Seven-time Super Bowl champion, Tom Brady. Well, he wasn't seven-time Super Bowl champion then, but he got choked up. His head looked immediately down. He bit his lip. And you just look at his eyes and he's teared up and he's trying to recompose himself because that pain is right below the surface of the champion that we see in Tom Brady. That is what drove him. He knew that when he says, do you know what it feels like when nobody wants you? So Tom Brady knew what that feeling was like, that nobody wanted him, but his parents were there for him no matter what. And that's what made him so emotional. And that's what he connected with. And so when you're a student, you might, you know, what is, you know what it feels like when you don't feel like you're smart enough or good enough or talented enough and you're not measuring up to other people's expectations. Like that hurts. It hurts. 
And, you know, I talked to my niece and she's getting an, an F in math. And I talk to her mom, what kind of grades is your daughter getting? Oh, she's getting A's or B's. And she doesn't realize that her daughter is in pain. Like to fail a class, to get a D, like it hurts. And most people just give up. And so what made Tom Grady so great was that nobody wanted him. And he turned that chip on his shoulder into an asset that we're seeing him do remarkable things that in his 40s, where he won like two Super Bowls in his 40s, and it's all because nobody wanted him. He's the ultimate underdog. He's driven by the pain that he had. And there's so many instances in football where a quarterback is picked number one draft, number one, number one, number one. Everybody kowtows to them, gives them everything that they want. And then that number one draft pick doesn't even make it. They become nothing because it goes to their head, right? And Tom Brady was just the opposite. So wherever you are, if you just feel like nobody wants you or you're not good enough or I can't do this, you can take that pain and you can turn it into something special just like I did. Look at that Brady Six documentary. I think I've seen it like five times. I make every employee that works for me watch that documentary. And then after they watch it, I'm like, you tell me why I asked you to watch this documentary. I just think it's so valuable. I I relate to the underdog. I think the underdog is a great story. These are the, the people that I'm going to connect with. The students are the students that see themselves as the underdog and they have big challenges to overcome. Here, back in 2015, I donated about 200 hours of my time helping students who had failed the bar exam for lawyers. They had failed it multiple times. And I donated, donated my time to help these students from a local law school. And the reason why I did it is I felt sorry for them. I felt like I knew something that could help them. And that was my driving force. Now, in another episode, I'll go through all the details about what happened there. But long story short, one of the students in my class had been out of law school for maybe six years, maybe going on seven years, failed the bar exam multiple times, and basically gave up. They just went on to do their job in the computer industry, and they got a message that I was teaching this free bar exam class. Normally, these things are $5,000, and I was donating my time for free. And this individual, five, six, seven years away from the subject matter, was able to pass. He was the underdog. I don't know if he believed himself anymore, but when he came the first night, I was like, you do exactly what I tell you to do, and you are going to pass. And he was there with his wife, and his, when they left, his wife said, listen, you're going to do exactly what Damien tells you to do, and you're going to do pass this exam. And, and he did. He has like three kids under age 10, a full-time job, and he managed to do it. Another student that had, had failed the bar exam once, took my class, he passed, I think he was the, probably the, the top student in, in the class, but what was great was he didn't go to a great law school, and he's thinking to himself, you know, even if I pass this bar exam, nobody's going to want me, I'm just going to go back into bartending, because that's all he knew was bartending, you know, he had struggled, and, you know, I took him on as an employee, I've mentored him from day one, and he is a great lawyer. And he is beating lawyers that have been doing it for 20, 30, 40 years. 
and now he's he's only been doing it for five years but it was the love of the mentoring it was he was the underdog he was the person that nobody wanted and and i see potential i see potential in that there's there's an advantage just like tom brady the advantage was nobody wanted him it made him work that much harder it gave him grit same thing with my employee it gave him grit and i would rather have somebody that has the will to succeed than where somebody just comes easy to them and, and they're not willing to to put in the work so let's see what is it that i have to offer specifically if you're going to succeed in school at the top level there are really three four areas that you need to excel in notes reading writing and math so let's get to notes notes to me one of the most important areas you have to know when to study your notes how many times a day do you study your notes how do you take or write your notes in class how do you study your notes should you record or not record your notes how long should you take breaks what do you do during your breaks should you use flashcards or not should you type or handwrite your notes so there's a whole science to notes that works and if you follow it perfectly your life's going to be so much easier in another episode i talked about how i didn't have enough money to buy the book for a biology class there are 120 students in there the teacher said don't worry about it it's all lecture i said thank god and i relied on my ability to take notes and study them and when the teacher handed out the grade she said for the first time in 25 years that i've been teaching this class somebody got a perfect score and everybody just kind of gasped when she said that like Oh my God, that's crazy, right? Because it was a difficult exam. I probably had 150, 200 pages of notes that I had been um, that that I had been studying, and I got I got the perfect score. But it was only because I had mastered this skill set, and it was the first time that I got it to see put in play. It was just a beautiful thing. But it doesn't matter if you have that skill set. If you don't follow it, you're going to make your life harder. So other times I get cocky. I didn't follow my note system as as perfectly as I should have. And it just made studying harder and it made the exam harder. So uh, notes is an area. Another thing is a book. How do you read? How do you read a chapter? When do you read a chapter? How many times should you read a chapter? Should you highlight or not highlight your book? Some people, you look at their book, it's like just highlight, highlight, highlight. So what do you do about that? Do you take notes when you're reading your book? Um, writing. I struggled with I struggled with everything especially struggle with writing. I just look at a blank page for an hour. I'd have nothing on there. I didn't know where to start. So how do you write? How do you get the writer's advantage? What does it take to get an A on writing? Because it's subjective. It's not like math where there's a right and a wrong answer. With writing, it's so subjective. So it's hard to draw that line on what's good or what's bad. So how do you know? And then there's math. People are like, oh, I'm just not good at math. Well, I'm definitely, I was in that category. I wasn't good at math. I wasn't strong in math at all, but I was still able to get A's and in some cases hundreds on, on math. Well, how did I do it? I was super insecure about it and everybody in class is getting math. I couldn't. In an earlier episode, I shared how I threw my algebra textbook against the wall and started screaming because I was so mad and frustrated because I couldn't understand basic algebra. Well, I'll be sharing with you what my technique was to get the A's in math. So those are the basics. Notes, 
how to read, how to write, and how to do math. And I put physics and chemistry kind of in the same category on how, on how to do math. If you know the basics and you just keep repeating those basics over and over and over, you'll be successful in high school, you'll be successful in college, you'll be successful in grad school, med school, law school. It doesn't matter because it's the same techniques that you can use over and over and over. And if your job requires you use these techniques, you're going to have these techniques because it's it's a way to learn. And regardless of how school is going to change, learning is not going to change. It's a skill set that you're going to have your entire life. So every skill set that you can get is going to make your life better and it's going to make it easier. Just take on the attitude that I had. If there's just one thing that you can learn from me, just one thing that's going to save you time, it's worth it. And if there's two things, that's even better. And a third thing and a fourth thing, your job should be on uh, being on the lookout for anything that's going to help you learn more in less time, get better grades in less time. If you're already getting A's, how to get it in less time. That should be your goal. That's what you should be looking out for. That's what you should care about so that you should have your school life. And when it, you're focusing on school, you're focusing on school and studying. And you need to have your life outside school. You need to have balance. You need to have time with your family, your friends, a social life, working out, hobbies. You need to balance both. You just can't be one-dimensional. And so by having skills that are going to save you time, it's going to give you that time so you can explore things other than just school. So in my podcast, yes, I will be teaching you how to study and skills, but what I where I'd really like to go is I'd like to start interviewing some of the top professionals in learning and education and in different areas. Like I said, getting grades is, is, is not everything of what school's about. There are students that are struggling with depression and anxiety. They're uh, suffering from eating disorders, from bullying, from living in toxic households and not getting support from their family. Students that don't have resources and don't know how to apply for grants and scholarships. Students that don't know what it takes to get into these top colleges and they don't know the process. But there are so many professionals out there in all different types of disciplines. And I want to bring them on the show. They might be math people and they teach you how to do math. I know that there's an author that's written multiple books on algebra and geometry and math. I have all of her books. I think they're great. I'd love to have her on as a guest so she can share with you how you can do better at math and how math can be easier for you. So I'd like to get guests on where it's not just about getting good grades, but it's just improving so many different areas of your life and helping you in all your different challenges so that you can be successful. It's not just one thing, getting good grades. It's multiple challenges that you guys have. And I'm really looking forward to getting to learn what your challenges are today. Obviously, I was in high school 30 years ago, and times have changed, but I know some things are never going to change, and that's how your brain works and how you can maximize memorizing and learning and efficiency, and there's techniques that are always going to be there. But I'm interested in learning more directly from you and fueling your questions and finding out who can I reach out to to get answers to make your life easier and better for you. So, Stick with me throughout this podcast series. I'm looking forward to getting to know each and one of you, every one of you. I'm looking forward to reaching out 
to the top people out there that are going to help us along in this journey. Take care.